my name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 39, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Exodus 19, Leviticus 13, and Psalm 74. Exodus 19 at Mount Sinai. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, and on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be, for me, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they approach the mountain. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, Prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of the mount <laughs> The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and the Lord said to him, "Go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them." Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up Mount Sinai, because you yourself warned us. Put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, Go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord, or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. 
Leviticus 13. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot on their skin that may be a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons, who is a priest. The priest is to examine the sore on the skin, and if the hair in the sore has turned white and the sore appears to, to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling skin disease. When the priest examines that person, he shall pronounce them ceremonially unclean. If the shiny spot on the skin is white but does not appear to be more than skin deep and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest is to isolate the affected person for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine them, and if he sees that the sore is unchanged and has not spread in the skin, he is to isolate them for another seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine them again, and if the sore has faded and has not spread in the skin, the priest shall pronounce them clean. It is only a rash. They must wash their clothes, and they will be clean. But if the rash does spread in their skin, after they have shown themselves to the priest to be pronounced clean, they must appear before the priest again. The priest is to examine that person, and if the rash is spread in the skin, he shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease. When anyone has a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to the priest. The priest is to examine them, and if there is a white swelling in the skin that has turned the hair white, and if there is raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic skin disease, and the priest shall pronounce them unclean. He is not to isolate them because they are already unclean. If the disease breaks out all over their skin, and so far, as the priest can see, it covers all the skin of the affected person from head to foot, the priest is to examine them. And if the disease has covered their whole body, he shall pronounce them clean. Since it has all turned white, they are clean. But whenever raw flesh appears on them, they will be unclean. When the priest sees the raw flesh, he shall pronounce them unclean. The raw flesh is unclean, they have a defiling disease. If the raw flesh changes and turns white, they must go to the priest. The priest is to examine them, and if the sore has turned white, the priest shall pronounce the affected person clean, then they will be clean. When someone has a boil on their skin and it heals, and in the place where the boil was, a white swelling or reddish white spot appears, they must present themselves to the priest. The priest is to examine it, and if it appears to be more than a skin deep and the hair is in it has turned white, the priest shall pronounce the person unclean. It is a defiling skin disease that has broken out where the boil was. But if when the priest examines it, there is no white hair in it, and it is not more than skin deep and has faded, then the priest is to isolate them for seven days. If it is spreading in the skin, the priest shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease. But if the spot is unchanged and has not spread, it is only a scar from the boil, and the priest shall pronounce them clean. When someone has a burn on their skin and a reddish white or white spot appears in the raw flesh of the burn, the priest is to examine the spot. And if the hair in it has turned white and it appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling disease that has broken out in the burn. The priest shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease. But if the priest examines it and there is no white hair in the spot and if it is not more than skin deep and it has faded, then the priest is to isolate them for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine that person, and if it is spreading in the skin, the priest shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease. If, however, the spot is unchanged and has not spread in the skin but has faded, it is swelling from the burn, and the priest shall pronounce them clean. It is only a scar from the burn. If a man or woman has a sore on their head or chin, the priest is to examine that sore, and if it appears to be more than skin deep and the hair in it is yellow and thin, the priest shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease on the head or chin. 
But if, when the priest examines the sore, it does not seem to be more than skin deep and there is no black hair in it, the priest is to isolate the affected person for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine the sore, and if it has not spread and there is no yellow hair in it, and it does not appear to be more than skin deep, then the man or woman must shave themselves except for the affected area, and the priest is to keep them isolated another seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine the sore, and if it is not bred in the skin and appears to be no more than skin deep, the priest shall pronounce them clean. They must wash their clothes, and they will be clean. But if the sore does spread in the skin after they are pronounced clean, the priest is to examine them. And if he finds that the sore has spread in the skin, he does not need to look for yellow hair. They are unclean. If, however, the sore is unchanged so far as the priest can see, and if the black hair has grown in it, the affected person is healed. They are clean, and the priest shall pronounce them clean. When a man or woman has white spots on the skin, the priest is to examine them. And if the spots are dull, white, it is harmless rash that has broken out on the skin. They are clean. A man who has lost his hair and is bald is clean. If he has lost his hair from the front of his scalp and has a bald forehead, he is clean. But if he has reddish-white sore on his bald head or forehead, it is a defiling disease breaking out on his head or forehead. The priest is to examine him, and if the swollen sore on his head or forehead is reddish-white, like a defiling skin disease, the man is diseased and is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him unclean because of the sore on his head. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes. Let their hair be unkept, cover the lower part of their face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. As for any fabric that is spoiled with a defiling mold, any woolen or linen clothes, any woven or knitted material of linen or wool, any leather or any made of leather, if the affected area in the fabric, the leather, the woven or knitted material, or any leather article is greenish or reddish, it is defiling mold and must be shown to the priest. The priest is to examine the affected area and isolate the article for seven days. On the seventh day, he is to examine it, and if the mold has spread in the fabric, the woven or knitted material, or the lever, leather, whatever its use, is, it is persisted defiling mold, the article is unclean. He must burn the fabric, the woven or knitted material of wool or linen, or any leather article that has been spoiled. Because the defiling mold is persisted, the article must be burned." But if, when the priest examines it, the mold has not spread in the fabric, the woven or knitted material, or the leather article, he shall order that spoiled article be washed. Then he is to isolate it for another seven days after the article has been washed. The priest is to examine it again, and if the mold has not changed, it appears, even though it has not spread, it is unclean. Burn it, no matter which side of the fabric has been spoiled. If, when the priest examines it, the mold has faded after the article has been washed, he is to tear the spoiled part out of the fabric, the leather, or woven woven or knitted material. But if it appear, reappears in the fabric, in the woven or knitted material, or in the leather article, it is a spreading mold. Whatever has the mold must be burned. Any fabric, woven or knitted material, or any leather article that has been washed and is rid of the mold must be washed again. That is, then it will be clean. These are the regulations concerning defiling mold and woolen or linen clothing, woven or knitted material, or any leather article for pronouncing them clean or unclean. Psalm 74. Oh God, why have you rejected us forever? Why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your pasture? Remember the nation you purchased long ago, the people of your inheritance whom you redeem. Mount Zion, where you dwelt. Turn your steps towards these everlasting ruins, all this destruction the enemy has brought on the sanctuary. Your foes roared in the place where you met with us. They set up their standards as high. They behaved like men wielding axes to cut through a thicket of trees. 
They smashed all the carved paneling with their axes and hatchets. They burned your sanctuary to the ground. They defiled the dwelling place of your name. They said in their hearts, we will crush them completely. They burned every place where God was worshipped in the land. We are given no signs from God. No prophets are left, and none of us knows how long this will be. How long will the enemy mock you, God? Will the foe revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it from the folds of your garment and destroy them. But God is my king from long ago. He brings salvation on the earth. It was you who split open the sea by your power. You broke the heads of the monsters in the water. It was you who crushed the heads of the Leviathan and gave it as food to the creatures of the desert. It was you who opened up springs and streams. You dried up the ever-flowing rivers. The day is yours and yours also the night. You established the sun and the moon. It was you who set all the boundaries of the earth. You made both summer and winter. Remember how the enemy has mocked you, Lord. How foolish people have reviled your name. Do not hand over the life of your dove to wild beasts. Do not forget the lives of your afflicted people forever. Have regard for your covenant, because haunts of violence fill the dark places of the land. Do not let the oppressed retreat in disgrace. May the poor and needy praise your name. Rise up, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how fools mock you all day long. Do not ignore the clamor of your adversaries, the uproar of your enemies, which rises continually. All right, Exodus 19, verse 4 through 6 is Dr. Iim's favorite passage in the entire Bible. And if you if you don't remember from previous days, Dr. Carmen Iim's is someone I work with at Biola, and also she offers a free class on Exodus on the Bible Project. Totally worth it. The depth of it, her heart for it, it's amazing. So why is this her favorite? Let's take a look. So in this story, it's the end of the wilderness, and God is calling them, commissioning them to the new nation of Israel. It's a covenant in this special place, Mount Sinai, a lifelong relationship from generation to generation. The wording here is the same God uses with Moses. He is acknowledging the whole earth is his, but that this nation is being called for him, it says, to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So not just this holy retirement sort of thing, but he's for him were to be a kingdom of priests. A new identity and vocation, the one that closely reflects Genesis 2, is now being given to the Hebrew people who are now the nation of Israel. So the verse that says we will be God's treasured possession is a Hebrew word, segalah that even the other ancient languages knew the meaning, a personal treasury of a king. I love that. A personal treasury of a king with a special responsibility to represent the sovereignty. That was so cool to learn from Dr. Imes Free um, Exodus class in the Bible Project. God is saying, you are to be a people and I trust you to represent me well. This is a little bit different from the Genesis 1 account, where the concept of imago dei, or being created in the image of God, where all humans, all humans, are called to be representatives of his image in ruling, subduing, and filling the earth. That's different because in this story, we see that God differentiates the whole earth, which is also his, but this special relationship in this special place as a kingdom of priests is a distinct role, which dare I say, has higher level of moral accountability, and soon we'll be learning the special vocational purpose of name-bearing, a, a God-name-bearing responsibility that is very unique. Remember, the four roles of a priesthood vocation are putting God on display, helping others navigate their way to atonement, interceding for others in prayer, and being prodigally generous, giving resources to those in need. 
So that's an important thread and part of it. And it's distinct from the Levitical family of Aaron and their role in the priesthood. So we'll, we'll talk more about that later. So who is God's segala? All of God's people who are in covenant. This is true throughout the Old Testament. So here in Exodus, Deuteronomy 7, 6, uh, 14, 2, Psalms 135, 4. But in Malachi 3, verse 16 to 18, we haven't read this yet, but there's a cool connection here worth noting that uh, Dr. Imes connects. So in this story in Malachi, this is after it becomes clear that the people of Israel are largely not keeping the covenant and there's only a remnant of the righteous. And Malachi in chapter 3, verse 17, God says, On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spared his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. It seems that God is narrowing in on the future on a future day that is unknown when God will acquire, it's a slightly different word, his treasured possession, acquire them. So they won't just be, but he'll acquire them. Then Dr. Imes in her class takes us to 1 Peter 2, verse 9 through 10, where there's a mixed ethnic group of people scattered in a pagan society, where Peter describes those following Jesus as a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Peter seems to be speaking in Exodus covenant terms, and here Peter is applying them to the church. It's interesting because Peter goes on to describe in his letters how to live out faithful covenant principles in a pagan society. We are being invited as non-Israelites into the story in the New Testament, being offered the same identity as God's treasured possession with a special vocation to bear his name and being covenant with God, and it's so very cool. And then Leviticus 13 is rather long, but thematically, um, as we've been talking about, it's continuing to delineate the distinction and remind the people and the reader that mortality and death are in stark contrast to immortality and life, which are his, and that these are very different than these being moral issues. So people having skin diseases doesn't make them bad people. It doesn't make them morally outside the covenant or our scope. They're not being separated from God or the covenant. It's uh, more of a ritual that's a constant reminder that mortality and death is in stark contrast to immortality and life, and that cleanness and purity are what is necessary to be a dwelling place for God. And ultimately, it's creating and it's exacerbating to everyone in it this gap, this need for a savior which we know comes to fruition if you've already skipped ahead to the New Testament, because we can't possibly, because sin affects us in a fallen world and disease happens. So it's creating this further conflict, if you will. But also, it's, it's noting, I think, the importance of constantly monitoring what's going on in our own bodies and in our own minds and lives, because Sin creeps up in the craziest ways. So I, I, even though skin disease itself isn't sin, I think it's this gentle reminder to constantly look for problems in, in our own world and to really separate those out quickly and monitor them because to be, to be holy and to be set apart requires that. So I'm looking forward to next time where we talk about the famous Ten Commandments. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, 
that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.